Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I'm joined by Sam, who is our very first, I say guest, you're not really a guest, you're a fully-fledged <laughs> Scout member, but of course, you know, you are the first uh, person to come to the studio and show us your team for game week one, about six weeks before it actually happens, <laughs> because FBL is finally live, we finally are able to uh, to pick our players and put our teams out, so you are the very first, Sam, how does it feel to be uh, blessed with that honor and privilege oh i am honored to be first yeah it's no it's exciting isn't it i think um it's my favorite day picking my first draft because anything could happen and then you know that the first team you pick is not likely to be the one that's still there by the time we get through to game week one starting but it's a journey then isn't it and i kind of like taking my team on that journey <laughs> journey is, a, is actually an excellent word to describe the last couple of days especially for you <laughs> as well um we were actually supposed to have you on our big FBL is live video. You know, join us live for the reaction of Sam Bonfield. And then we came in and we just had to empty chair you like a politician who didn't turn up yeah. to the Sunday morning program <laughs> because you'd had to go sort of stuff with your kids because it just the FBL didn't launch on time. So, I mean, yeah, talk us through the last couple of days f- f- from a personal perspective for you because you've been involved with the Premier League uh, video content as well, the pods. You've just been everywhere, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I do feel like it's been literally the maddest week. I said to, to Lee on Sunday, Sunday night I was like prepare for chaos because I'm going to be so busy this week like I and I'm, I'm gonna kind of be here there and everywhere so yeah on Monday I was down at the studios recording the price release video with Kelly which was brilliant and I obviously hadn't seen the prices before so I knew the 20 players that we were going to see so I could kind of prep some notes and find out how much they were last time around and that sort of thing but we hadn't seen the prices in advance so genuinely the reaction that you saw on that video was my initial reaction to seeing those prices so that was brilliant that was great fun and I got home just in time to watch that video go out so that was nice as well because I kind of I got in our slack channel and and listened to the guys talking about (laughs) the video and and it was really nice to see the community respond in that way 
Um, and then on Tuesday, we Kelly, Jules and I recorded the official podcast and we had access to the, to the dev system a little bit early so that we could build a squad and talk about those squads as part of the pod, which then, of course, went out just ahead of the launch yesterday, which was fantastic. And yeah, it was really nice to kind of take a look at the stuff early, really think about it, build a squad and then um, get to record that pod with those guys because... I mean, they're brilliant and they're so much fun to do. And then, of course, I was supposed to, like you say, be on with you and Mark yesterday evening. And we sat, didn't we, for like <laughs> an hour and a half waiting for that. The game is reloading screen to disappear. And it just didn't happen before I had to go and take Evie to her her dance class. So I'm here today instead. Yeah, well, exactly. It worked out well because it did mean that we were able to focus specifically on your team after you had a bit more time to think about it. But yeah, yeah. yesterday was uh, especially chaotic. I mean, yeah, we, we were there for quite a while. Poor Mark as well, as in that's uh, jobbling, <laughs> had to sit there and listen to me and you be like, oh, parent friend. Oh, yeah, well, my kid does this and my kid does that. We could have recorded a whole podcast on that, to be honest. We could. Um, so it was, it, was, it was good fun in a very much kind of waiting sort of way. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a crazy couple of days and it's been really nice to share that with everybody as well. And as I said, it's nice to finally have you here with your team, which I'm now going to stick on the screen. Um, and noticeable, there's no Harry Kane, which usually there is. Uh, yeah. But there is still some Spurs representation. So, um, yeah, it's on the screen right now for the benefit of the podcast listeners in the UK just to sort of list everybody off and then, uh, yeah, jump into some of the, the big decisions. Who was the first name on your team sheet? Who the 50-50 calls are? Things like that. Of course, yeah. So a uh, rotating pair of goalkeepers in Leno and Pickford in goal, uh, followed by about five of James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Roberts, Bell and Saliba. Midfield, Madison Saka, Bruno Fernandes, Embremo, Gibbs-White, uh, and then up top, Harlan, Jao Pedro, and Darwin Nunes. So an interesting mix. And I did think, I mean, last night before I came here, I was kind of pondering on, do I make some changes to this? This is still the team that I'd set up for the pod because I actually do like it. And every time I look at it, I'm kind of like, there's a lot of players in there that I'm really pleased with. The notable exception, as you mentioned, is, is Harry Kane. And I am still trying to work out whether the compromises that I need to make to this team to have him is a step too far for me. And, I, and I'm not sure yet how I feel about that because of course, when we did the official podcast, for those of you that haven't listened to it, Jules Laurent has got Harry Kane and Harlan up top. And I looked at his midfield and compared them to mine. And that's the big difference really. It's the, the players that you can have in those midfield five spots. Yeah, I mean, you, at the very least, you do have Madison as well. So you, you've covered Spurs off in, in some respect. I suppose, when we let's talk about the midfield first then, because I think that's probably where everybody's eyes immediately going to be drawn. Because not mm. only do you not have Harry Kane, you also don't have Mo Salah, which mm -hmm. is... Um, in the first few drafts that I looked at yesterday with people, I, I saw a lot of uh, Salah in, for example, did, did a stream with, with Chris and did a stream with Mark as well. They both were big on Salah. I don't have Salah in my team and I initially became a bit concerned. I've now seen yeah. that he's got an, his ownership is about 26%. So maybe those of us in the no Salah group are um, more numerous than we thought. But yeah, let's let's talk about that. What was? Uh, are you nervous about not owning him? Uh, how quickly did you make the decision? Did you try getting him in and think the rest of the team was a bit messy? Like what what happened with Salah for you? No, genuinely, I haven't even tried to make a draft with Salah in, which feels a bit bonkers. I look at Liverpool and I think that there are a number of players there that are cheaper than Salah that genuinely I think could do if not exactly the same as him, then within 20 or 30 points of him, which depending upon how you've used the rest of that budget across the rest of your team, maybe the two players that you have instead of him in midfield could replace the numbers that he's going to bring you. Um, 
So, you know, I, I looked at Salah for a minute and then thought, there's just no way I'm going to work that. And if I can find 12 and a half million, I'm going to find it for Harry rather than for Mo. So that was the kind of decision made for me. Plus, I've got Trent Alexander-Arnold at the back. And if he continues to play in that midfielder role that we're expecting him to, but with the benefit of being an out-of-position defender in the game, then I think he's worth the eight million. So if I can cover Liverpool out with kind of two players in the eight, eight and a half, seven and a half bracket... I think that that could be just as good as having Mo because if I have Mo, I probably can't have Trent. Yeah, I think that's that's actually very similar to where I'm looking at it as well. I'm also thinking about it from a captaincy perspective as well. My guess yeah. is that you are pretty set on captaining uh, Haaland for basically all of the first six uh, matches. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that was that, that was one thing that has kind of played in the back of my mind is do I have a standout second captain? option there because normally last season that would have been Harry without Harry in my team if he's not there by game week one then who are my other captaincy options but then I do have Bruno Fernandes I do have Saka there is of course Trent Alexander-Arnold if I want to go for a bit of a risk and and captain a defender so there are some backups there but most of the time I'm going to captain Harlan and I'm not expecting him to get rotated in these early weeks so hopefully you know that'll be fine yeah, I think so too. And I think this, the other thing really with, with Salah is that probably the... And I, I think you've actually covered Liverpool quite well here because this, the game week two game against Bournemouth is the one that uh, is, is the only one of the first six I would captain Salah in, which is why I've yeah. not got him. Um, but I still look at that fixture and I'm like, uh, you know, I've got to cover this somehow. Yeah. You know, if you've got Trent, great. If you've also got a second attacker as well, whether that's Darwin, I suppose he could become Gakpo. Yes. Um, then, you know, you, you might be okay there because if you're not going to captain Salah, because obviously we don't own him, and uh, Haaland in game week two, you know, it doesn't have a bad fixture. Uh, he's got a fixture that he can still feasibly score in. Um, or maybe you captain Trent, as you said. Um, mm. Between those two Liverpool players, those who maybe just have Salah might even out. Yeah, I mean, I think so. That that was my kind of thinking was, I've got Trent, I need a Liverpool attacker. I don't really know yet who the right Liverpool attacker is. And I don't think we're going to know that until pre-season really kicks in. Who's getting the start up top? Is it Darwin? Is it Gakpo? Are we getting the best out of Luis Diaz this time around? Should we be thinking about Jota now that he's a midfielder? Like, there's so many questions for me about those Liverpool attacking assets that I've put Darwin in there as a bit of a placeholder. I like the seven and a half million bracket for that forward spot there are plenty of others that it could be instead but I think having the two Liverpool players makes sense and I just can't really see a way of having Trent and Salah and Harlan and still making the rest of the team feel like it's worth and it's going to bring points because I think that's the thing you could almost guarantee yourself points out of those three but have you made a compromise too far across the rest of your team? Like, are there, are there too many risks? Players like maybe Saka that you're not able to invest in because you've got those guys. I think probably the answer is yes. And if that's the case, I don't necessarily want to lose the points that Saka or an Arsenal midfielder could bring me. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's talk about Arsenal then. You've got Saka in at the moment. He yeah. is the same price as Erdegaard. He's 0.5 more expensive than Martinelli and also 0.5 mm-hmm. more expensive than Jesus. Um as I said, you know, it's it's literally just day two of us having the game. So it's very early thoughts. Um, but what made you go with Saka over the others? And how open are you to going with the others um, outside of those four? Just mentioned that. And I suppose I keep I keep mentioning him. There's Havertz at 7-5 as well. I know no yeah. one's really going to own him and I probably won't either. But, you know, there's there's options at Arsenal. So, yeah, talk us through your thinking with them. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, with Arsenal, my, my literal strategy was have the most expensive one because then you can go anywhere between now and game week one. That was kind of where I was. So Saka, alongside Odegaard, the most expensive. Of those two, I prefer Saka because of the penalty responsibility. So Saka is my preference over Erdogan. I mean, 26 attacking returns last season for Saka. He was phenomenal, wasn't he? So I put him in, but you, absolutely, I'm not set that it will be him. I really loved owning Martinelli last year. He was one of those players that every week I had him, he just seemed to return. Even when he was getting benched, he would come on and return me points. And it was kind of like, yeah, this is perfect. So I do think he's an option. I do think Jesus is an option if I decide to change the way that I've invested in Liverpool. Like if I, rather than wanting to go with Darwin, if I wanted to go with maybe a Luis Diaz or a Jota in midfield, then I'll just swap the way that I've invested and have him instead of Saka and then have um, have Jesus up top instead of Darwin. Like the, the flexibility is there for those two teams. And I, I kind of see those positions maybe being the ones that change between now and game week one starting. But I definitely feel like I want an Arsenal attacker in there. I, I, the fixtures are nice. I think they're going to kick on this season and have a really good campaign. I actually don't hate the Havertz pick. Like I obviously was at the pod with Jules on Tuesday and we were talking about Arsenal because, of course, he's an Arsenal fan and, and he's got Havertz in his first draft. And I do Ooh. wonder whether Havertz might be a really nice differential pick there depending upon where they play him. And I think we're going to have to wait and see in pre-season where Arsenal set up and who's getting those starts and where they're starting as to which one is the best option. But if Havertz is getting the regular starts, then that's a million off Saka. And that a million off gets me a million closer to owning somebody like Kane. So I'm definitely flexible with the way that I invest in Arsenal and depending on what we see in this pre-season period from them, I'll maybe look to move Saka to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad someone's someone's got someone's got Havertz. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'm not crazy, even though I don't own him <laughs> myself. Um, you're right. I think preseason is going to be super important for them. Um, what we're what we understand from kind of the the media world is that Havertz is probably going to get used in that deeper midfield role, which yeah. actually I think is better for him because he's not really a number nine. You know, we had a couple people no. on the stream yesterday asking if he's going to come in and and reduce Jesus's minutes. And don't think so. It's more of an number eight. Exactly. He was never a number nine and he knows that. Like he was saying it himself. He was like playing at number nine every week and saying in interviews like, I'm not really a number nine, guys. Like yeah. can someone just wake up and play me in my proper position? And um, it's possible that he might play in the Shaka role, which a stat that I keep reeling off to everybody is that Erdegaard and Shaka were afforded the same number of big chances last season, which means yeah. that, you know, if Erdegaard did as well as he did, if Averts can can put away big chances from those sorts of positions as well, which maybe he can. Uh, you know he's going to be given his best opportunity and I suppose um, yeah I just pulled up some numbers actually just looking at um, the, all these attackers in the back end of last season because yeah you are absolutely right I think to just place all of this for now and see how preseason goes because everybody's just so cl like close together in terms of um, I'm just going to yeah. go with expected goal involvement here between game weeks 27 and 38 Erdegaard 4.41 Saka 4.35 and Martinelli 4.66 so it's like how do you tear that apart? You know, and Jesus actually quite far ahead. He's on 7.07, .07, but I suppose he's a forward. So, you know, he is, and, and especially with your structure as well, maybe harder to fit in at the moment. But um, yeah, they're all pretty, they're all pretty close in terms of fantasy appeal. And we just need to see um, what's going to happen with them really, I think. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen other teams in the past, haven't we, that that just because you're playing in that slightly deeper role doesn't mean that you won't get any attacking returns. You know, look at Bentoncourt at Spurs before he got injured. Um, they, they tend to kind of Hoiberg and Bentoncourt going at different times for us. And if Odegaard and Havertz do that at Arsenal, then 
we could easily have Havertz returning in the same way that Erdegaard did for us this time around. So that, and a million is a lot, right? So if we start to see Havertz in pre-season playing in that kind of role where he is able, is able to go forward and get those opportunities as well as kind of sitting back in a slightly deeper role, that could be a fantastic option for us as FPL managers because now we're in a position where we don't have to reach the 8.5. We can go in at 7.5 and a million makes a lot of difference in these early game weeks. Oh, it definitely does. Well, speaking of saving some money, you've also done it elsewhere with, um, I, I was about to say another 50-50. The Arsenal attack is not a 50-50. I'm going to bring in another Warhammer analogy. It's like rolling a D6. You've got <laughs> six people on that dice. You just roll it. Which one of those is the best? Um, whereas Fernandez versus Rashford is more of a flip of a coin. It's a two-side uh, decision there you've gone Fernandez to save the point mm-hmm. five. how nervous are you at the moment that you don't have Rashford although I suppose probably less nervous than if it was like you know the night before game week one so I appreciate that it's it's all early days but yeah clearly your eye was drawn to Fernandez there um, what's he thinking between those two yeah I mean last season Rashford was my ever present I think I, I I didn't really not have him like he was my shout in pre-season for the one that I thought was going to have the best campaign and he did he was fantastic and but he was 6.5 and you know cheap and a perfect enabler so you could kind of hold him even when he wasn't you know when he had a couple of uh, matched out for injury and stuff didn't he but with Bruno we just never saw the highs like in the seasons gone by, we'd seen like really great stuff from Bruno. Obviously, he's got penalties. The underlying stats were always good. His abilities from set pieces, just everything about Bruno made him investable. And I remember looking this time last year at Bruno versus Rashford and kind of going, well, I want to be invested in Manchester United, but how? And how much am I going to spend? And I did believe that that Rashford was wrongly priced last year and he was too cheap and that he'd have a good campaign. And he did. This time around, I kind of believe that Bruno's a little bit too cheap as well because the underlying stats for Bruno were were still really good last season. He was second for expected assists. Only KDB was expected to assist more than Bruno was last campaign. It was a poor season though by his standard. I think he got 176 points, eight goals, nine assists. So there's plenty of upside there. It does scare me not having Rashford and I think it will continue to scare me not having Rashford because... It was so comforting knowing you had him there last season and I could always just rely on the points coming in from him week upon week upon week. If I could find the point five, I probably would be inclined to spend it on Rashford then knowing I could drop down to Bruno if Bruno does start performing. But I do think that this could be a really good season for Bruno and, and at that price, I think he's worth a risk having him rather than Rashford. Yeah, I mean, the numbers you, you mentioned there for Fernandez are actually pretty good. And uh, I at the moment, I just have my Fantasy Football Scout members area filter just set to game weeks 27 to 38 to really capture how teams finish the season, which sometimes is actually a, a stronger indicator of how they'll start yes. the season than if you just look at the whole campaign. And yeah, the numbers for, for Fernandez are, are really tasty. So mm-hmm. um, creativity, he's miles, miles, miles ahead of Rashford. So in the last, uh, it's about 13 appearances, I think it is, uh, he created 50 chances, uh, 14 of those were big. That was the most of anyone in the league in terms of big chances created. Uh, it was actually double 
that of the four players who were joint third for that stat. So he was just miles ahead for for, yeah. for creativity. And then in terms of shots, they were they're, they're different types of players, right? I mean, we know this. You know, Rashford is is in effect really a forward. He's he's a centre yeah. forward, born yeah, and bred, yeah. either a wide forward or a centre forward, something like that. So his his all his efforts were in the box. So it's things like twenty five shots in in the box, thirteen big chances, eighteen on target. Uh, Fernandez was eighteen in the box, so obviously seven fewer. Five big chances to eight fewer there but still 16 shots on target, so only two fewer, because he obviously can do very well with shots from distance. And what that all um, pushes into in terms of the expected goal involvement was that in that period, and Rashford did play slightly fewer minutes, but the the gap here is pretty big. So Rashford had an expected goal involvement of 5.73, whereas Fernandez had 8.17. And it's Mm. it's really that um, assist potential that really um, bulks up his appeal compared to Rashford, because Rashford is just all about the goals. Fernandez can offer some goals, and loads of assists and actually on balance that probably puts them in a similar position in terms of value especially mm-hmm. when you factor in the 0.5 I think that maybe ownership might um, potentially tilt a few of us in one direction maybe when we're all at fest <laughs> or something like that and so just to update people at the moment um, Rashford is the one who has more owners right now so he's in 35.4% of teams and Fernandez is in 23.9% of teams and, and to be honest it's probably a more useful indicator of, of engaged managers today because we're on day two when I know that my dad won't set his team up until literally the morning of <laughs> first. You know, I'm not yeah. competing with my dad. He's like in the conference or the National League or whatever it's called now. If you're competing with other high-level managers, those numbers are probably more accurate to, to you know, what, 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 with those numbers... Are you surprised by that? Are you nervous? Like, what may, What's your view on terms of like, do you think ownership will eventually tilt you in one direction? Um, I really try not to let it, but it no, nine times out of 10, it, it does. And but I think the thing for me is going to be the Bruno Rashford conversation is going to come down to where you put your premiums elsewhere, isn't it? If you decide that you want to go with Trent and two other premiums, so Harlan and either then Salah or Kane, then the reality is that you're going to have to make compromises. And I think the compromise that a lot of managers will make at that point is to save the 0.5 and have Bruno over Rashford. Um, And then they'll bring down somebody else in their team to a lower level. I think the 0.5 is is telling. A lot of managers, I think, over this preseason are going to see a lot of returns for players that they've kind of gone, "Mm, I don't know if I can afford to have them. So we're going to see, you know, if, if we see... Sun in pre-season absolutely riot then all those people that have currently got Madison like me are going to be looking at that going I've got to find 1.5 and that finding 1.5 is not easy but maybe the easy decision is to go okay well I can still cover Manchester United really nicely with their penalty taker by having Bruno over Rashford and that says 0.5 so then I've just got to find some and I think that's the decision that it will come to I can see myself being priced out of having Rashford. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, point five. Just it's it's so important, uh, especially mm. at the start of the se- at this stage of the season as well. Um, let's talk about Madison because you you've mentioned him, and we have to really zoom in on your Spurs pick here. Um, I like this a lot because I. I actually think that Madison is probably going to be the Spurs player I will own for the, for the most number of game weeks this season. That's my gut feeling. If Harry Kane stays, it might be, end up being him. But again, he's harder to fit in. Like 7.5 for Madison is an incredible price. I was expecting 8 million. So I feel yeah. like we've been throwing a bone here. Uh, yeah, totally. When I saw the Sun price on the FPL show on Monday, I was like, my first reaction was, if Sun is 9, what is Madison? Because Madison's got to be cheaper than Sun, you would have thought. Um 
I was expecting eight for Madison, the same as he was for Leicester last season. But at 7.5, that just felt like too good an opportunity to turn down. I think, you know, if Kane stays, which obviously I hope that he does, then you've got Madison firing free kicks at Kane, which feels like the absolute dream as a Spurs fan, but also as an FPL manager, because we haven't really had somebody like Madison in the Spurs team since we had Ericsson. So if Madison arrives and fulfills that kind of mantle that was left by Ericsson, then I think we could be in for an absolute treat because he's going to have some set pieces there. He's going to have the attacking threat and the assist potential that we saw at Leicester. I think he makes Kane a way better option because he'll take those deeper roles. Kane will probably stay higher up. I think he also makes Sun a far more attractive option. I think the whole system that we're going to play under Postacoglu is going to be fantastic because he's going to push those wingbacks further in, which is going to free up the space that the likes of Kudasevsky and Sun need on those wings. And then that's going to allow Madison the freedom in behind Kane. I think Madison's really nice. He's a really, really nice price. And if you are looking to invest in Spurs, particularly for those opening game weeks where the fixtures are nice for us, I think he's the way to go. Yeah, he looks so good. I mean, I, there's mm. some stats on him that I just, oh, I can't wait to see him play for Spurs. I really can't because <laughs> he is... Me too. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, literally sat there wearing the shirt. <laughs> wearing my Spurs shirt today, yeah. Um, you know, it's just the numbers he posted at Leicester at the back end of last season were were incredible when you consider that team was was, was rubbish. It was so poor, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mentioned those three players that were tied, oh, four players, as you say, that were tied third best for big chances created in, in the league in that 27 to 38, um, where Bruno was so dominant. One of those four was, in fact, Madison. Yeah. Uh, his 27 key passes was also, you know, in the top six for that stat as well. Um, in terms of what he's going to bring to Spurs, if you combine uh, Hjoyberg, Bentenker, Skip and Basuma for your key passes last season, those four players, 59 across the whole campaign, Madison on his own, 69. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's just, and I think wow. You add Madison, you add the creativity that we always know you get from Madison and we saw in that Leicester team to a team that's actually got people that can finish it because that was the problem at Leicester, is that Madison and Barnes, they they create, but nobody's finishing those opportunities. Literally at couldn't Spurs, hit a Barnes door. Correct. <laughs> but at Spurs, you don't have that because we've got Harry, well, hopefully, we've got Harry Kane there. So <laughs> you you've got somebody. <laughs> I did. Uh, but I, I do think he'll stay this time around. I hope he does anyway. But I think you've got somebody like Harry Kane, who's a natural finisher. You've got somebody like Son, who, when not injured, is a natural finisher. You can create opportunities for those people. Kulusevsky was fantastic when he first arrived for us. Had a bit of an off year last year, but then all of Spurs had an off year last year with the exception of Kane. So let's not kind of beat Kulusevsky up over it. I think the three of them up top with Madison, to me, as a Spurs fan, that's so exciting. It feels like... We also don't have European football as well, right? So we're not going to have this tiredness, middle of the week, two games a week, every week thing. Like we've just got full focus on the league until the FA Cup and the League Cup start. So I am super excited about James Madison. Genuinely, when I was building this, I always put the premiums in first. So I'd put in Haaland and I'd put in Trent. And then I put the goalies in because I knew who I wanted in goal. And then I put Madison in because I was like, this feels like a gift to me. Hmm. Yeah, it's like well, it was, we described yesterday as Christmas Day. So your he was the present. He's my present big present. Tree. Yeah, mm. he's your equivalent yeah. of like the new PS Five. Um, but yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, Lee managed to find it like on Wish 
um, and, and so only paid a wish price, even though it's the real thing. So yeah, and you had to pay forty million for it as well, and it's like an absolute steal. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Well, I just want to talk to you actually about their fixtures before we finish on before we finish on Spurs, because mm-hmm. you've obviously got him in now. My my current plan had been to place hold for Madison. Um, so I've got like Matoma, not Matoma. So I got uh, Gross. So I wanted a Brighton midfielder because I really really like their early fixtures. I've also got. Sterling, because I kind of have a similar feeling about him as you do. Yeah, I like Madison. him as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd like Sterling. I, I, he's one I would have really liked in here, but I couldn't quite find a space for him. Yeah, I mean, and I couldn't find a space for Madison. So we're kind of like both sides of we're, we're uh, different sides of the same coin, I think, in terms mm. of like getting in there uh, on what we perceive to be the game week three bandwagons. Because that's what I want to talk <laughs> to you about in terms of Spurs fixtures. Because the reason I didn't go with them. Uh, for the first two is because I wanted to see how you guys got on away at Brentford, which is a mm-hmm. not an easy fixture these game. days. A home yeah. against Man United, again, same really. But then it's really game week three, Bournemouth away, Burnley away, Sheffield United at home. Those three look really nice. Um, mm-hmm. Do you fancy Spurs chance? Well, I mean, of course you do. You kind of, you know, all the <laughs> Spurs fan base is listening to this. So, you know, you don't want to do them dirty. But like, you, do you also feel like there's a an advantage to getting him now when you look at those fixtures? There is a big, big turn in game week three. And that's yeah. traditionally when people can, can do a bit of minor surgery with a mini wildcard, two free transfers yeah. and a minus four for three changes, that kind of thing. Um, I guess you yeah. probably got excited about that. I, I, yeah, I mean, you absolutely can do it that way. I think one thing that I would say is that last season I booked in my transfers um, early. Like I had Kane for game week one, was planning to swap him for Harlan in game week two didn't want to do that and I knew that I knew going into game week two that I didn't want to sell Kane and I was really struck like I really struggled with it but I still did it anyway because I knew I needed Harlan and then I instantly regretted it and then I was kind of like well now I'm in this situation where I've not got Kane and I now need to find a way and eventually I sold Salah in game week four and bought in Kane instead I don't like because the thing is the people that we pick in game week one you pick them for a reason right so if Sterling goes off in pre-season and is what we think he might be under Potticino um I know I won't want to sell him come game week three to bring in Madison so then I've got an issue and I'm kind of trying to deal with it so what what I try to do is kind of look to game week five or to the point where I might wild card and I think what might my team what might I be happy with my team to look like and because I, because we don't have the World Cup this year and we don't therefore have the unlimited transfer window that we did last time, we're back to just our two wild cards. I'm conscious that I don't want that wild card to come too early. So whilst game week five looks nice and I could use it there, game week nine also looks really nice and I prefer to use it there because that gives me a bit more flexibility to get through to game week 20 when the second one comes around. So in my head, I'm kind of thinking, I don't want to be planning for transfers like I want to have people on my radar that I could bring in so at this point I was kind of like well if I know I if I think I want Madison for game week three then why don't I just have him from game week one because we do score goals against Brentford we we tend to be quite good for scoring goals against them not so good defensively against them but going forward we tend to be and it's our first home game of the season against Manchester United and we will want to score. We will want to start off on the right foot with the new manager in front of the home crowd for the first time. So in my mind, I was kind of like, yeah, they're not the best two fixtures to start the season, but they're also not the worst. And I just think I'll I'll go with him. Unless, of course, in pre-season, we, we see terribleness from Spurs, but I don't think we will. So that's why he's there straight away. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think Postacoglu is, I'm really excited to see him in the Premier League, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Did the scout report on him. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, um, go check that out either on YouTube, on podcast platforms, or there's also an article on the site as well. 
yeah, oh, I'm just he's he's just so one dimensional in the best way. Like he's like so wedded to attacking football to the extent yeah. that he even compared it to um, you know a hungry vegetarian doesn't go and eat at McDonald's. Like <laughs> you just stick to your principles, my friend, even if yeah. that's attacking football. So I, I'm also looking forward to the one liners as well. So I'm just I'm so excited, I'm so excited about him. And yeah, I do think yeah, you couldn't ask for a better first home fixture against Man United because if you win that game, I wouldn't be shocked. And you win it five no. four because Postecoglou just likes chaos football. It's just, it's going to be incredible. So it's going to be wanna... a great time to be a Spurs fan, I think. Yeah, well, especially after all that, you know, sideways passing and turgid sticking everyone behind the ball. Like this is yep. your time. So it's you know enjoy it, <laughs> enjoy it. I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got the fixtures on the screen at the moment, and I'm going to stick there because I'm then going to come back to your team because I want to talk about Nottingham Forest because their fixtures at the start of the season are horrendous. Uh, they've got Arsenal away. Uh, game week one Sheffield United at home game week two uh, which is that's a nice one but then United away game week uh, three Chelsea away game week four Burnley at home game week five Man City away game week six so they've got two really nice home fixtures they've got four pretty much the worst four away matches you're going to get all season like it isn't mm-hmm. good it isn't going to get worse than that and they were the worst team away from home last season so not that I'm trying to character assassinate your team I would really like to understand why Gibbs White is there um (laughs) so very they're very good points um and gibbs white i love the price i actually loved the price of him um 12 goal uh, 12 assists last time around only three players got more than that um and he had the same number of attacking returns last season as bruno fernandez did now so he's there because i think at nottingham forest he is the best player and i also think he's in a really really attractive price point but he's also there as a placeholder because my feeling is with this team, if I'm not going to have a premium in the midfield, I wanted to have good price points across the midfield so that I could be as flexible as possible as we started to see teams, you know, that do well, surprisingly well. Like last year, of course, it was Brighton, wasn't it? And we were kind of like, when Deserbi arrived, we were all like, right, we all, we've all got to get Brighton. But it was easy because they were cheaply priced. Whereas I, I look at the teams this year and I think there is a few there that I think I'm going to want to get to, Chelsea predominantly. They're not that much more expensive than Brighton were, but they are in that kind of mid-price bracket. So my feeling very much with Gibbs White was that I didn't want a player that was kind of 5.5 because that felt limiting in terms of where I could go. Whereas Gibbs White at six felt like a nice placeholder in this team because Longer term, I do want him. And I think, you know, as we get out of those fixtures that you just mentioned, I'll look to go to him for sure, because I do think he's the best value for money picket at six. But I think you're right in that for game week one, well, for a while, the fixtures aren't great. So I'll be probably looking to just keep in that price point. I think that's where I am with yeah. him right now i mean that makes a lot of sense thank you sam you've defended it um aptly there i'll let you i'll let you off because <laughs> yeah, yeah no, because yeah price points are so important and i think that it's some some sort of thing that um people sometimes forget when they build these drafts is that you know you have to look at how you're going to shift from one thing yeah. to another so later down the line and the best way to do that is to build in price points at the beginning so that you have that flexibility so yeah, I think that's the way uh, to look at it. Uh, before we finish, let's have a quick look at your defence. Um, we've kind of already talked about Trent. So, um, you know, I think we all sort of know what, why you've gone gone there. Talked about Liverpool. Um, Reese James, uh, 5.5, has done very, very, very well in the past. You talked about Chelsea as well. Kind of feel like there could be a bit of a bandwagon emerge with them. James yeah. is how you've decided to capitalise on it rather than, you know, a Sterling or a Mudrick or whatever. So, um, mm. yeah, you excited about having Reese James? 
<laughs> so Reese James is one of those players that always trolls me every time. <laughs> so I own him. He's terrible. I sell him. He's amazing. I bring him back in. He goes awful again or gets injured. Uh, it's constant. Like last season, he was great. I bought him in. He immediately got injured. And I was like, this is just a nightmare. So I often try and invest differently in Chelsea. Like last year, I went with Badia Shai for ages um, on that basis because I was just like, I can't bring myself into this James category. There is Chilwell as well at the same price. I wanted a Chelsea defender because I know as a Spurs fan all too well how great they can be under Potticino. So in my mind, I was like, I need one of these Chelsea boys to kind of be there. So it could yet be Chilwell. I haven't fully decided. I, I sort of trust Chilwell a little bit more. He's returned for me better in the past. Um, but also, if you look at my defence, I wanted to go with the most expensive defender in the game and then one at every price point pretty much. So a 5.5, a 5, a 4.5 and a 4 because then I'm, I've got flexibility across the, the board. The only thing I don't have here is the 6.5 bracket because the 6.5 bracket is difficult. I don't want Trent, uh, sorry, I don't want Trippier for these opening fixtures because I don't like the Newcastle fixtures to start the season. I have thought about Botman at 4.5 just to bench him instead of Roberts. Um, and maybe that's an option that covers me out for Newcastle when we get there because I think this team is going to struggle to get to Trippier this season. Yeah. Although actually, I I don't know. I, I don't think you have to necessarily worry too much about Trippier this year. For, to begin with because their fixtures aren't very nice and then there's no, going to be exactly. European rotation as well so yeah. actually I think you know you're always going to have to make a mission somewhere I mean that is the nature of FPL and it's and I'm actually really happy with how the game's been priced this year because I do I mean yeah, I haven't me got too. Salah and you don't have Salah so we've omitted the king you know we, because we feel <laughs> like we've had to yeah. and so uh, Trippier just being another one of those decisions I think yeah. that on balance that's going to be okay I think uh, when and you I look think... at what else you've got and at the show, when Trippier came up, I said to Kelly when we came off air, I was like, I'm genuinely worried about this because I can't see how I'm going to get him in. We've got to get Harlan in because obviously we'd seen that price. At that point, I hadn't seen Madison's price, just had Sun. So I was thinking, well, if Sun's at nine, Kane's going to be somewhere in the 12, 12 and a half bracket, probably going to have Sun with Harlan. Like, and I, it, you, I was already kind of doing the maths in the back of my head. And at that point, I was like, well, I don't like the Newcastle fixtures to start the season, so I'm not going for Trippier. But then when Newcastle released their prices and Botman was there at 4.5, I was like, actually, maybe I don't need to worry about Trippier anymore because I can cover out the Newcastle defence by having him instead. Yeah, and, and it actually, it, it takes a while as well for the fixtures to get good. So if you've got Botman... Wildcard territory. Just, yeah, either wildcard territory or just stick Botman at the bottom of your bench waiting to come in when he's needed because mm -hmm. it will be a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose your guys who could also come in when needed at the moment are Roberts and Bell, the two newly promoted defenders. I mean, Bell, yeah. he, he was the first person in my draft when we got the price reveals because he's <laughs> yeah. starting defender, 4 million. I mean, everybody knows, everybody can see the Lundstrom shirt behind me. It's, that's never moving. That's there forever. Never. Um, I love a four million defender. Bell yeah. is currently uh, on my radar. Uh, we've also got Bayer at Burnley, but uh, I understand why you've got Roberts because he's got an inverted fullback there. There's also Bullock at Sheffield United. I mean, where are you? Where are you thinking? Um, what well, Bell is clearly in your team at the minute, but um, the four million defender bracket this season actually we've got some choices and it's quite exciting. Yeah, definitely, because there could easily be two 4.0s there because I, we're going to get starting 4.0s, which is really nice. Like, I actually love the fact that the game hasn't priced any newly promoted player over five and a half million. I love that because it makes them so much more attractive. Like, suddenly I'm drawn to Sheffield United and Burnley and Luton in a way that maybe I wouldn't have been had they been priced in the same way that they were last year. Because you know, even with the attackers, with the likes of Endai and, and Morris, 
you're paying 0.5 less than we paid for the attacking uh, newly promoted teams last year. Well, a whole million if you look at Mitrovic. So I think that the value that they offer is fantastic. I went with Roberts because I like the idea of the 4.5. I like the idea of having that movement without having to worry about freeing up some money later. And I like the fact that there's more attacking potential for Roberts. So Burnley were really good defensively last season, 21 clean sheets in the championship. Only Coventry had more than they did. Um, so I kind of wanted a Burnley defender in there. And I, I think I, I because of the way that he plays, because of the attacking threat that he has, he, I was prepared to spend the extra 0.5. If I'm really tight for 0.5s, then I could see that dropping to one of those other 4.0s you mentioned. But I do fancy Roberts to have a good season. Yeah, he looks really, really exciting. Um, the, the inverted fullback uh, role that he plays is incredible. So it was um, 10 attacking returns for him last season. Yeah. And yeah, and the advantage that he has over Matson, who was the other guy on the other flank, is that Matson actually isn't at the club right now. He's a yeah. Chelsea low knee, so therefore he's not actually in the game. I was really hoping that Matson would be priced as a four million Chelsea defender because, like, we like we know he's not going to play for Chelsea this year, and then he get loaned back, and then we get the four million. Yeah, might still happen. You never know. But um, yeah, Roberts. I think I think you're right. Spending that point five over Bayer makes sense initially. Yeah. Because it's just it's chalk and cheese in terms of the the way that they play. So, yeah, no, it's looking good. We haven't really talked too much about your goalkeepers, and appreciate that you've actually got to go to Sports Day fairly soon. So, if you <laughs> could give me um, a, an, an an original FPL show, you know, like give me an answer in like thirty seconds. A and thirty second to, line. Yeah, it's always difficult. Uh, it was one of the hardest things ever to be like, uh, this is a really difficult fifty fifty, and I got to answer it in thirty seconds. But it's your turn now, Sam. <laughs> No, it's good. I think um, Leno and Pickford, they rotate, apart from playing each other in game week one, they rotate really nicely all the way through game week eight. Both, they were second and third for saves last time around. Um, Leno, like, he was just phenomenal, wasn't he? He got like 37, I think it was, additional save points last time around. Um, if you're getting to get 37 additional points for making saves, that's perfect. We made a save every 22 and a half minutes last campaign. So... Those additional points really important. Only Raya had made more. And of course, we don't really know what's happening with Raya at Brentford at the moment. And then Pickford, he got 28 save points and an assist and a penalty save last season. I'm hoping for some more defensive security under Dyche, under a full season with Dyche this time around. So I think with the two of them, it's, it's really nice because obviously they play each other. And then I've got choices to be made. So when Fulham's fixtures are difficult, Everton's are nice and vice versa. So like game week three, Fulham have got Arsenal, but Everton have got Wolves. Then game week four, Fulham have got Man City, but um, Everton have got Sheffield United and then it swaps. So Everton will have Arsenal and Brentford, whereas Fulham have Luton and Palace. So there's plenty of potential there to kind of rotate perfectly up till game week eight. And then, as I said earlier, I'm planning a wild card in game week nine anyway. So then I'll maybe look at my goalkeeper strategy again at that point. Nice. You did a very good job of keeping that succinct in a fantasy football scout <laughs> way. You would have been absolutely interrupted by Jules or James if we were on the oh, they'd have said, show there. <laughs> too much talking. Yeah, or the music would have started playing in our ears as if, to, like, because the end credits are about to roll and you'd be like, oh, I better, oh, I better <laughs> shut up so they can do the round outro. Round it up, round it up. So, yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with goalkeepers and I think you've covered it very nicely. So, thank you very much for that and doing it in as short a space of time as possible. Um, no problem. We will leave it there because you've got a sports day to go to, which is much more important than any of this. And I say that. <laughs> 
as a fellow parent, so I'm not even just being silly about it. So yeah, thanks very much for joining us, Sam. Um, there'll be plenty more content for you guys to check out uh, for the rest of the summer. Don't forget to like this video, uh, subscribe to the channel, and hit that bell notification as well. We're going to have loads of team reveals in the next couple of days, including uh, FPL General and Praz and many others. So uh, stay tuned for that. And with that, I will leave your fine, you fine folks to either enjoy Sports Day with the kids or <laughs> enjoy some more content. So we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.